0: Yes, hello and welcome to another edition of the ProcureTech podcast. I am your host, James Meads, where every week we bring you everything that is fun, innovative and exciting in the digital procurement space. We don't have any time here for any stiff and boring content this week though is a little bit of a difference i'm actually doing a solo episode this week and i very very rarely do them and there's a reason why i'm doing it which i will explain i actually thought very long and hard about whether to put this episode out and decided in the end to run with it because it's a it's a topic that has been sort of gnawing on me a little bit over the past few weeks as i've been seeing lots of different posts on linkedin and online about different companies that have made uh, the 50 to know, uh, the 50 to watch, and the ProcureTech 100 lists. Congratulations to all of the procurement tech companies out there that have made those lists. Very, very well done. But I wanted to spend some time today really to to help the average listener to understand what goes into the research behind those lists. How are they made up? What is what are the criteria that goes into the decision process behind what is published and where are some of the pros and cons in terms of you as the listener to understand to what you to what extent are these lists useful and where are their flaws or where are there where do they sometimes fall short in terms of you being able to make a decision about what technology is best for you and your business. Because there's a lot of fanfare about these lists, and rightly so, there's a lot of research that goes into producing them, but I just want to make sure that you go into looking at and examining these lists. With with open eyes to understand how the research is put together and what it entails. So let's jump in then, shall we? And let's start to put a little bit of meat on the bone uh, to give you some background of how these lists are, are put together. So let's start, first of all, with the granddaddy uh, of spend Matters. Spend Matters are, of course, a household name to anyone in the procurement space and a part of a larger parent company called Azul Partners. Uh, They were founded by Jason Bush in 2004 and were one of, if not the first, actually, uh, procurement and supply chain blogs out there. And obviously they've been going now for, what is it, 17 years. The focus on digital procurement technology and particularly the 50 to know and 50 to watch lists began in earnest in 2014 when they published their first of those lists. And that has since grown really to be the go to research out there in terms of research research, analysis, and content in the digital procurement space. They're in their eighth year of publishing this now in 2021, uh, and they've separated it into 50 to know and 50 to watch. So let's jump in and have a look at what's the background behind it. Well, Spend Matters have what's called the Spend Matters Almanac on their website, which is a wider directory of digital procurement solutions housed on the Spend Matters website. And then feeding into that almanac is what's called the Spend Matters Solution Map, which is an interactive solutions finder where the user can essentially select... Uh, a comparison of different types of procurement software based on a bunch of different criteria and buying personas. And then it spits out a list of different solutions that that may be suitable uh, for that given user. Spend Matters, understandably, have a pretty big analyst team to crunch all of this data. And as I say, the listings have been going since 2014. So they have a huge back catalogue of uh, of content and analysis to draw from in putting all of this together. Uh, In their almanac, there are 23 different categories uh, in total. Uh, Not all of them are focused on software itself. There are a few consulting, training, membership organizations included in there too, Um, But ultimately, this is the basis of what forms the 50 to watch and the 50 to know list. So this, if you're not in the almanac basically as a provider, then you're not going to get considered as part of the 50 to know and 50 to watch um, list of companies. So how do they get from this huge database to the 50 to know and the 50 to watch lists. Well, if I take if I take a quote directly from Spend Matters website, what they say is the annual 50 providers to know and 50 providers to watch lists are determined by the entire Spend Matters analyst team to represent the best of the commercial providers that serve enterprise level procurement organisations. I emphasise. The words enterprise level there. And I will come back to that a little bit later because I think that's a very, very important distinction that you need to be aware of. It goes on to say, we do not include brand new startups with only a few employees who are piloting some minimum viable products. We track over a dozen of them right now and are working on highlighting them in the near future. And indeed, uh, they, have, uh, they have a list this year that they've published for the first time called the Future Five, which does include some new uh, up-and-coming, rapidly growing startups, which I will come on to a little bit later. So, that is an acknowledgement from Spend Matters that they are very much focusing here on enterprise-level solutions. So, that's how they, that, that's how they formulate the list. They also stipulate that it is not sponsored content. So they have a very rigorous selection process, which they call participate to play. So in other words, the providers that want to be part of the list have to go through a pretty rigorous RFI process that spend matters Um executes to put this analysis and this research together but they categorically state that none of this is sponsored content or pay to play so hands off to spe- hats off to spend matters there with their transparency and making that very very clear on their website so as we can have confidence that it is neutral research what that does mean, however, is that if a provider decides not to go through the participation criteria and the pretty lengthy from what I gather RFI that is laid down by spend matters as part of their analysis of what their team does to put these lists together, then it is acknowledged by spend matters that you know there may be some solutions or there are indeed solutions out there who may be worthy of making this list but simply choose as a business decision to not put themselves through this participation process that Spend Matters dictates for whatever reason. So that's the, that's an important distinction. So it's not sponsored content, but it is participation led. So there is quite a lot of information that goes into putting all of this together. So then... What Spend Matters does is they take the 50 to know and the 50 to watch lists from the previous year and their, anal- and their analysts then review those last year's lists and then determine which providers no longer meet the criteria for those lists, as well as adding those providers in who have either made an impact or a resurgence in the last 12 months that then justify being included in this year's list. So what they're essentially saying is that the previous 50 to know and 50 to watch lists are used as the starting point, which is then refined, updated and discussed and debated by the Spend Matters Analyst team, which is then based obviously on the usual adage out there of Good solutions tend to lose their way and up and coming new companies enter the market to challenge them. So it's a constantly evolving flow. And that reflects the fact that especially on the 50 to watch list, there is quite a big turnover from year to year in terms of the different solutions that make that list. So that's the background. So let's tackle now what is the difference between 50 to no versus 50 to watch. How, how, are they, how are these two lists different? And what do you need to know as the differentiation here? Well, let's start off with the 50 to know, which is their sort of pioneer list, shall we say. The 50 to know are the ones that Spend Matters recognize as being what they say the best in class in the procurement and supply chain technology market. They focus on key tri- criteria such as innovation, market presence, tech competency and solution delivery. And according to Spend Matters on their website, these are the 50 most established and form the cornerstone of technology that enterprise level, again I say enterprise level, procurement teams should be aware of. Which is great, but some of these, a lot of these actually, are not what I would consider to be pure play procurement tech companies. You see, the 50 to Know tends to focus on a mixture of, on the one hand, enterprise-level procurement suites that I'm sure most people out there have heard of, of a lot of the big names, the five or six big ones that, that everyone's heard of, but it also features other well-established software that, that deals really with other areas of the business that touch on the procurement and supply chain space. So, for example, cross-border payments, financial risk fraud, tax, etc, etc. So there are a lot of finance topics in there as well. And and I guess this is reflective of the fact that if, as Spend Matters said, they focus this on enterprise level procurement organizations, if you're a CPO or if you're a digital procurement transformation lead in a Fortune 500 company, then you are going to be looking at something that are beyond just the broad, pure play Uh, procurement technology firms because you have to satisfy the needs of the wider business of everything that touches procurement and payments and risk management and everything else out there that needs to be looked at from a digitization perspective. But that is a very important distinction when you look through this list. You may draw the same conclusion that I have that a lot of these solutions out there uh, that, that are appearing on this list don't necessarily appear to be pure play digital procurement solutions. And and that is the reason why. It also includes two solutions, Saplari and Orpheus, who have now been acquired by Microsoft and McKinsey, respectively. So these are effectively what were best-of-breed digital procurement solutions that have now been acquired by much bigger companies. And in fact, of the 50 to know, there are only, and this is just purely my analysis as one person with a keen interest in procurement tech, So take this with a large pinch of salt, if you will. But based on what I would consider to be a pure play procure tech solution, probably only 10 solutions in the 50 to no list that I would see as being sort of pure play procurement tech. That's the whole point, I guess, that it's not necessarily aimed to be that because it is much more holistic in terms of the audience that it's serving. So if you're a procurement leader of, a much smaller company and you're not a procurement leader or a CFO or a digital procurement uh, lead in an enterprise level procurement organization, what I'm saying here is that the 50 to no list may not necessarily be the best starting point for you to set out if you're really starting from scratch or trying to broaden your knowledge of what is out there as best of breed pure play Digital procurement technology, which now kind of then leads me on to the next part, which is Spend Matters 50 to Watch list. So, the 50 to Watch list, in comparison to the 50 to No list, is really much more of an ecosystem that I would consider to be more geared towards best of breed procurement technology solutions. And indeed, some of the providers that appear on this list are actually previous guests that I've had the pleasure to interview on this podcast. So if you're starting out on your digital procurement journey and you're looking for a broad overview of what different companies are out there offering best of breed digital procurement solutions, I would skip the 50 to no list and I would go straight onto the 50 to watch list because i genuinely feel that this is going to be what is going to be where you will find your gold in terms of solutions that can help you if you're not necessarily looking for a very very high level fortune 500 enterprise level list of solutions out there and instead are looking for something that can go in and fix a problem in a more hands-on procurement atmosphere that is perhaps at the very beginning of a digital transformation journey. You know, if you're if you're a CPO or a CFO or a digital procurement a transformation lead in a 500 million or 1 billion euro or dollar company this really in my opinion is where you need to start and looking through this list of the 50 to, uh, of the 50 to watch i actually found probably about 30 of them that i would that i would consider to be best-of-breed digital procurement tools that could be interesting interesting to you, depending, obviously, on what specific itch you need to scratch as part of your digital transformation journey. That's another question in and of itself in terms of asking yourself, you know, what are you trying to achieve from your digital transformation so 50 to watch for me would be really the good starting point to go in if you're completely new to this topic other than of course listening to back episodes of the podcast which i would definitely recommend too, to get an overview of some of the guests we've had on but if you're looking as a starting point and you're and you land on spend matters this is where i would genuinely recommend that you start. Now, in addition to this, what Spend Matters have done this year for the very first time is also publish what they call the Future Five. And this is really the part that gets me excited as a bit of a procurement tech nerd, because this is where they have now started to feature some up and coming startups that are really making a splash in this space. So the Future Five, which is a new feature and hats off to Spend Matters for doing this, The companies that make this list, their criteria, and again, I'm reading this from Spend Matters' website. So, it's companies that are less than five years old with ideally less than two years in the market since official product launch. They have at least five customers. They're an innovative, interesting application of technology, that's Spend Matters' words, maintaining a clear momentum and sustainability, and also importantly, are less than $10 million Currently in revenue, I'm very excited to see how this feature develops and how Spend Matters builds this out over time, because these are the ones to watch really in terms of the companies out there that are really making a big splash and that are, that are growing and are, and are gaining momentum. and uh, And I really like that they're starting to highlight these because I do think there is a gap in the market which. I certainly try and fill on this podcast in in highlighting companies that are out there and growing and have really interesting concepts with what they're building and developing with the solutions that they solve for procurement professionals. So that is the 50 to know, uh, the 50 to watch and the future five from Spend Matters and where I see some of the pros and cons of using that in terms of determining what is the right solution for you. So let's now move on to the ProcureTech 100. ProcureTech is a new platform founded in 2020 by CEO Lance Younger, based in London. They are a new business and they are still growing out their services, but they have a prominent collaboration that they've already announced with Kearney, which is featured heavily on their website. And their ProcureTech 100, as they called it, was announced for the very first time, uh, in October 2021, so last month. And you may have seen on LinkedIn uh, a bunch of different companies announcing that they've been included in this ProcureTech 100 list. ProcureTech claims that the 100 was selected from research of over 4,000 digital procurement solutions straight from their website. Now, I'm not actually convinced that there are over 4,000 digital procurement solutions out there, but I will overlook that for a moment. The shortlist was selected using what they say is statistical analysis of over 40 key data points, including growth, security, customer, financial, and employee data. This shortlist was then taken to a panel of over 60 experts. The experts that they use are listed prominently on their website, so it's very transparent who these experts are. They appear to be a mixture of practitioners consultants former cpos venture capital firms as well as procurement services providers so there's a pretty big mix in terms of who's uh, putting together uh, the analysis and shortlist and coming up with uh, with the final 100 but this is where the trail goes a little bit cold for me because it's not really very clear from their website how they've got from this shortlist down to down to the 100 how they've actually selected them doesn't to me, really appear to be to be very transparent. So let's have a look who is actually in this ProcureTech 100. Well, first of all, it's dominated by a large number of enterprise-level suites. The kind of names that when you talk to the average procurement professional out there actually uses this software on a day in, day out, they don't seem too enthused by their experience of of using it. So I would sort of call into question. How how they made that list? There are also a lot of providers in here that, while they definitely do focus on procurement as part of the solution, kind of similar to Spend Matters fifty to what uh, fifty to no, uh, they're not, in my opinion, and this is purely my opinion, they're not exclusively digital procurement technology providers. You know, in fairness, there are a lot of top best of breed exclusively procurement tech solutions in this list too so it does seem to be a pretty broad broad mixture uh, especially some that have experienced some rapid growth in uh, since early 2020. There does seem to be a lot of the, the really high growth, high performers in here too. So this list as a ProcureTech 100. I'm sure it will evolve over the years and it's the first year that it's been published. But for me, from what I can gather so far, it kind of seems to be a bit of a mishmash between pure play digital procurement solutions enterprise-level digital procurement suites as well as other solutions out there that are not pure play procurement tech. So again, I think what ProcureTech is trying to do here is very much focus on the enterprise level uh, digital procurement function and the CPOs and digital transformation leads of enterprise level Fortune 500 companies in what they're trying to do here, which is absolutely fine if that's their market. But again, if you are a procurement leader, a CFO, or a digital procurement transformation expert for a mid-market company, I would perhaps question the usefulness of this list in the same vein as I would question uh, the 50 to no list from Spend Matters as well. And I would point you more towards the 50 to watch from Spend Matters, which is quite possibly a lot more relevant to what you would need to use it for. So this is also one to keep a close eye on and I I will be watching keenly with interest how ProcureTech develops this into a wider service provision that they're obviously building out right now. And it's obviously also really, really nice to see the digital procurement ecosystem growing and more and more of these comparison sites and analyses out there to really give the user the availability of all of this different type of research to help them, you know, formulate their own decision around what is out there and what's good for them. So that really is. A pretty detailed overview of how all of these different lists and analyses are made up and the research that goes into them. So, now it's really time for me to draw some conclusions to this, really, and to hopefully try and help you around what are the limitations here and what, in my opinion, do I think you need to consider as you put together a strategy and put together a picture of what you need for your organization in solving the specific procurement challenges that you want to resolve through through having a digital procurement transformation program and putting into place the right pieces of software to solve your specific issues in your organization. So what do I feel are the most important characteristics of procurement technology and where do I feel that that's perhaps missing from a lot of this analysis? So I'm a pretty simple guy. I like to keep things simple and I'm all about usability and making sure that any digital procurement solution that is implemented into an organization is actually adapted is actually adopted is well received and is used by the stakeholders and the people within an organization that need to get the most from it and this is where i see flaws in all of these different analyses and lists because there is very little focus on user experience or user interface They don't really seem to touch on ease of implementation. There doesn't seem to be much or any analysis around the time required to implement this from the very start to the actual implementation phase and and embedding in and, and hypercare and all of that sort of embedding the solution into the organization. It doesn't also touch on the amount of training required for stakeholders and procurement practitioners to comfortably be able to use the software. Indeed, it doesn't really seem to analyze the level of complexity of the software versus the ease of use for the users uh, and some of the features that are included. So, you know, I'm a guy that tends to say, I would prefer less features, but something that is more easy to use and more easy to communicate to my stakeholders and my community at large that need to use this software on a day-to-day basis rather than going for a very feature-rich and very complex piece of software that perhaps takes months or even years of planning in some cases for some of these big Enterprise level procurement suites, which let's face it, if you're a relatively small procurement organization in the mid market, you are simply not going to have the resources available and the level of training, resource, and budget available and consultancy on the IT side to be able to make that type of digital transformation a success in your organization. So I think you need to take a step back when you're looking at this list, at these lists and say, who are they aimed for? If these are aimed at enterprise level, very, very big procurement teams that have the budget and the resource and the IT consulting to be able to go in and and, and do this complete end-to-end transformation, that's great. But if you're an organization that is much smaller in size and has a limited amount of IT infrastructure, you have a limited amount of procurement expertise in-house in your team to be able to pick up and run and implement this, then I would really, really advise you to take a step back and say, well, what do we need here? Where do we start? Where's the beginning point? What are we trying to achieve here? And what level of com- complexity can my organization handle to be able to successfully implement the right digital procurement tools to solve the most essential and the most painful challenges of the business, of your particular business that you're looking at? Because every business is different, right? And if if you're spending, if 80% of your spend is on direct materials, then you probably don't need an end to end contract lifecycle management suite. Likewise, if you're spending a lot of time on tail spend, then you may not need a complex e sourcing tool. So it's really for me, my advice to you would be to take that step back, look very holistically at your business, and try to ascertain what is the biggest itch that you need to scratch and where should you start then on your digital procurement journey to understand, do I want something that is simple and that can be digitized essentially within a few days, or am I willing to spend more time on the planning phase and on the implementation and then on the IT infrastructure to look at something that may take much, much longer to plan and execute, uh, but then to have a much more holistic vision of where you want to be at the end. So my one piece of parting advice here as I conclude this episode really is to take a look at your organization and to look at what do you actually want. Do you want agility and simplicity or do you want features and complexity uh, to solve your problem? Because if it's the former, if you want something that is easy to use, easy to implement and easy to maintain if you want your procurement team to be more operationally efficient one of the key ways that this will happen is giving is giving your team and your stakeholders software that is simple and that is agile and that can easily be implemented within days and weeks rather than months and years. If you are planning a digital transformation two years out and are looking at having a very complex solution that will go through a very rigorous selection process and will completely digitize your end-to-end process, that's fine, but just make sure and be aware of the fact that this is a rapidly changing market and what you're planning to put in place now is going to be vastly different from what's out there on the marketplace by the time you actually come to implement it. So if you are looking at doing a very detailed piece of work in terms of your planning, then please have that in mind because the market is moving so fast right now. And I genuinely believe that unless you're a multi-billion dollar or euro corporation, I don't believe that an enterprise level suite is necessarily the best solution for your business. You can get to where you need to get to and solve 80% of your problems and challenges by using best of breed solutions that are both affordable, agile easy to implement and easy to maintain. And what's more, can be connected within the ecosystem to communicate with other best-of-breed solutions out there. Okay, you can't have 20 of them all working together. You will then drown yourself in a sea of complexity. But the point I'm making here is think long and hard when you look at these lists and when you look at these best-of 50-to-know, 50-to-watch, ProcureTech 100 lists and say, are these the solutions that are best suited to my business? Or do I need something more simple, more agile, cheaper, faster, better that can solve a portion of the challenges? Maybe not everything, but that will get you there a lot faster and with a lot more agility and with a lot less stress and with a lot less planning and certainly with a lot less IT consultancy and budget. So, I really hope that this was useful to anyone out there that is at the start of their digital procurement journey and is perhaps scratching their head, trying to get their heads around what are all of these different solutions out there and where do they fit into my specific needs and requirements for what I need to do within my business. So that concludes this week's episode. Thank you very much for getting to the end. I was a little bit nervous about putting this out as a a solo episode, which, as I mentioned, I don't usually do. But as I say, this topic has been eating at me for a while for really wanting to put out an overview of how these lists are put together to really give clarity to the listeners out there that maybe don't understand what goes into the research and who indeed that research is aimed at and where it may fall short in some cases. So I really, really hope this was useful to you. Please leave me some feedback. I would love to know what you think, genuinely would love to know what you think. And if you are struggling to understand what is out there in the digital procurement marketplace, by all means, reach out to me and I would love to have a conversation, to try and help you navigate through the sea of complexity that is out there that I've spent a lot of time researching and investigating to understand what solutions exist. I wish you a very pleasant rest of your week, and we will be back again next week with our regular guest interview slot, where we're going to be kicking off a mini-series all about e-sourcing. There are going to be five startups that we're going to be featuring there. Look out for those episodes coming from next week onwards. Until then, take care wherever you are in the world and bye for now.